Welcome to Inside Outside Innovation, episode 96. Chris Shipley is a longtime innovation consultant. At the 2017 Inside Outside Innovation Summit, she talked about her time with Guidewire and some key learnings she gathered about dancing with elephants. New technologies, markets, and methodologies are changing the way people create value. Inside Outside Innovation is the podcast that brings together the best and brightest in the world of innovation, tackling these challenging problems. Inside Outside Innovation is hosted by Brian Ardinger, founder of Next, a provider of research, events, and consulting services that helps innovators and entrepreneurs build better products, launch new ideas, and compete in a world of change and disruption. For more information on our team, visit next.co, that's N-X-X-T And for information on the upcoming I.O. Innovation Summit, May 29th through the 31st here in Lincoln, Nebraska, visit theiosummit.com. This is great. Thank you, Matt. Thanks. Good luck. Good luck. Okay. First of all, I don't think it gets better than this, so I'm just going to walk off the stage now because I'm not sure there's much more I can do. Um, but it's great to be here. It's really, I've been thinking, you know, I, I live in Silicon Valley, and I've been thinking, what's the difference between Lincoln and Silicon Valley? And it was hard to find things that were different. <laughs> but I came up with a few. Um, those of you with beards groom them much more nicely here. <laughs> yeah, it's, I was, it's what, someone I would have called with a hipster beard, it's just beautiful. I don't know where you are, I can't see you in the light, but you don't swear as much. Although there is somebody who, who doesn't want you to F up your taxes in the, in the pavilion I saw. And here's the thing I noticed, more than anything, you all smell so much nicer here. I don't, I don't know what it is. Anyway, it's fun to be with you. Thank you very much for um, that very nice welcome. Um, my job here on stage is to lower the bar. This morning's talks were fantastic. So I'm going to lower the bar just a little bit so that the rest of the day can really knock it out of the park. So, a lot of this conference is about large companies and small companies working together, and we've heard a lot about the entrepreneurial and uh, uh, objectives inside corporations, the imperative to be more innovative. This talk, if you're in a corporation, please feel free to listen or check your email, but this is really for a lot of the startups in the crowd, because I think that if you have lived that very entrepreneurial startup life, you sometimes forget what it's like to be uh, working with these large organizations. And I'm going to tell this, this story or tell this talk through the eyes of somebody who's lived a lot of these challenges. And, and my point here is, if I have the scar, there's no reason for you to get it too. Go out and get new ones, but I'll, I'll share a little bit of my experience as a startup entrepreneur working with some large companies. Now, I want to set some context here. Startups, by nature, it's this unconstrained mess. Somebody this morning talked about getting messy. And it really is. It's about ideation and invention and experimentation. And you're driving to a point where you can really find that um, innovation that works. Now, corporations, they're all very process-driven. They're driving out to greater scale and efficiency in order to be highly profitable, to eke out all the value they can from innovation. And those are two really different motivations. And it's this messy middle, this place where startup innovation and mess meets corporate process, where the dance gets really difficult. 
Right? And in some ways, we might think, well, let's just not bother, right? because these are two different kind of cultures. They don't really communicate well. We speak different languages. But really, we have to dance together with them if we're all going to grow and succeed. And particularly, the elephant's got to dance. Right? Simone talked a little bit about this. Michael did as well this morning, about the fact that these companies, as they squeeze value out of their production processes, they, there comes a natural point where, where business begins to plateau. And so they need to grow again. They need to kind of be refreshed, to innovate. And for them, the startup community, the, the younger stage companies, are the things that are going to give them that new boost of energy. And so dancing is incredibly important for them in order for them to stay relevant and to avoid that, that disruption that we were talking about earlier this morning. But elephants do a really different kind of dance from startups. And you know, if you're thinking about the fact that these are very big creatures and you're kind of a little creature, I think there's some lessons you can take away that'll help make this dance a little easier. So the first one is that elephants really do have a lot of choice when they go to the dance. There's something like, and this is across all sectors, but over half a million new companies coming into the market on a regular basis. So your job as a startup, as you eye that pretty elephant across the room, is to think about how can you be relevant to them? What is it that makes you stand out so that you can attract them? And I think that the, the key here is how will you have empathy with the elephant in a way that allows you to see how your business, the products and technologies and the innovations you offer, help bring new and significant customer revenue market opportunity to them? How do you enhance their capabilities to make them better elephants, to help them stave off that disruption problem that we talked about today? Now, when you start dancing with elephants, you understand you're doing it by their rules. And I think about this in terms of a lot of the young companies I work with who would say, you know, if I could just get, fill in the blank of a big Fortune 500 company, to work with me, everything would be great. Well, you've got to recognize that they're in it for their business too. And so think about how you take your goals and align your goals with their goals. What are they trying to accomplish in the market? Where do they need to move in the market? How do you help the elephant improve business? Which sounds really simple. Right? It's a simple idea. But so many startups, so many entrepreneurs I talk to think about, how will the elephant help me? And that's going to be pretty obvious to most of you. Working harder to understand how you can help them, how you fill a gap in their product map, how you deliver to them new capability, how you bring new talent into their organization, how you potentially open new markets. Those are the things that the, the elephant needs, and you've got to put them first in this conversation. Now, this is a blinding flash of the obvious. Elephants are big, and they're also, they can be very slow. They work on a very different time scale from a startup, right? You have an idea in the morning, at breakfast, and by noon you've got a prototype, and by the end of the day you've deployed a feature. That is not how it's going to work with the elephant. 
It's going to take a lot more time. These are complex organisms that no matter how excited they seem about working with you, when you go into that meeting and it's a great conversation, they say, yeah, I think we want to do business, and you leave and you're toasting over beers that night because we've got this deal to happen. And then months and months are going to go by. It's not a fast process. And the thing that you need, which is often, let's get a deal done, we need some revenue, it's going to help us grow the business, it's going to help us, worst case, stay in business. Those are the kinds of things that drag on forever. Your small problem, or your big problem, is their small rounding error. Right? So you just have to settle in to that patience and understand and think about ways that you can be accelerating to them or accelerate them. Um, but understand that if you're having an emergency today, running out and grabbing an elephant is not going to save you tomorrow. It's going to take a lot more time to get that work done. Now, elephants for all their size and potentially their capability, they don't have a whole lot of moves in their, their portfolio. Right? They understand a few things. And this is important to understand is that they're not going to create something all brand new, shiny, special, snowflakey just for you. Right? You need to figure out how you work with them, understanding what their mechanisms are, how they do contracts and deals, how your technology fits into their product plan. All of that is required so that you can streamline into the work they already know, the workflow they have, the contracts they understand. That's how you begin to make these deals move a lot more smoothly. I remember I worked with um, my previous company, Guidewire. We were trying to get some work done with a major company. And you know, it was sort of the, if you just move this way, we can get this to happen. And it's going to be great, because it's going to give us the revenue we need for next quarter. But we had to step back from what we need, how we needed them to change to really think about how they needed us to be in order to get that deal done at all, let alone get it done in the way that we thought was you know, most ideal for us. You're the little mouse. They're the big foot. Right? And they're going to step on your toes if you're not being careful. One of the, the companies that I worked with kept saying, well, how do I know that this company is not going to steal my idea? And the fact of the matter is you don't know that, but the truth is they're probably not really interested in stealing your idea. In fact, somewhere deep in their organization, somebody's probably already working on that idea. And so when a, an elephant says to you, we're not going to sign your NDA, it's not because they're disingenuous, it's not because they want to steal your IP, it's because they can't guarantee that somewhere in their organization, somebody's not already diddling around in their spare time or started a skunk work initiative to get this thing done. So again, here, I want you to think about where is that elephant relative to me? Where do I move to stay safe? What do I share in order to protect my IP? How broadly do I you know, open the kimono? At what point in our conversations so that I feel comfortable in this dance with them without overexposing, uh, threatening my IP, giving too much along the way.
You may do the limbo really, really well. Elephants, not so much. Right? What makes you agile and fresh and exciting, even exciting to them, scares the pants out of most big companies. Right? Because they don't have not only the ability, but the, the genetic matter, if you will, to move as quickly and as agilely as, with, with the agility that you do. For you, potentially, you know, throwing a feature out into the market, that's lean startup. That's innovative and testing and getting market feedback. For a large company, that's brand exposure. That's brand risk. For you, kind of skirting the rules and running fast and loose, that's about being agile and fast and building quickly. For a big company, that may be a whole lot of regulation and red tape that they just can't get past. They just won't be allowed to overlook. And more importantly, if something's going to go wrong in this deal, something's going to go wrong in the, in the marketplace, big corporations have deep pockets. They're much more at risk than a little company that no one's potentially heard of. Right? So they're going to use a lot of caution. They have many, many more stakeholders, and you need to be very mindful of who they are and what role they play in this relationship in terms of facilitating your dance and potentially getting in the way. So at one point at Guidewire, we were doing a project for a company, very large Fortune 50 company. It was the project that was going to make our company. There was enough revenue to mean we could for, forget about anything else. Now, I know that's a bad idea, so those of you who are thinking that's a really bad idea, I do know that. But to do this deal, we had to do a few things in our company. We had to, to, to do some, make some structural changes. We had to um, bring in some additional people to, to fulfill the contract. But we were super excited because we were going to have a deal that was a two-year deal, was going to drop a lot of revenue into the company, and it would fuel the exact work we wanted to do. And so we got about a quarter into the project. Everybody was seemingly very happy. And, and just when we thought, this is it, we've, we've, we've got this thing. This is our marquee client, our marquee customer. They had a crappy quarter. And this was a company that is very much driven by their month-to-month -month financials. In fact, this is a company that is so financially driven, they are so frugal, that if on the third day of the quarter, they are slightly behind in their sales targets, they will go into uh, a staff reduction mode. So imagine this little company thinking, hey, this is great, we've got this big company, and this big company going, oh, what's this project? It's a nice project, we like these people, it could be useful, but we had a bad quarter. And just like that, a two-year deal was turned off, and while we got you know, some attractive parting gifts, at the end of the day, it wasn't the thing that was going to let our company move forward. You know, we, we lost a big deal that we had restructured for. So the point in that story is that elephants can walk away at any time, and you need to be really, really mindful of that and careful that you have built your relationship in a way to protect yourself if that's going to happen, both in the way you, you contract those relationships, but also in the ways that that you maintain other channels. So that when, when they, 
your elephant leaves, there's another one uh, to pick up and go dance with. Conversely, elephants are incredibly patient. They can dance and dance and dance and dance and go to another dance and take you to another dance and go on and on and on in a way that drags you out for a very long time. Also at Guideway, we were talking to some investors. And so that they were our elephant at the time, closing a Series A. And we had said, as a team and to our board, we are going to hit these milestones. And if the financing is not in at this particular time, we will stop. And that stop date came and we went to the board meeting and said, oh, it's so close. Okay, let's move, we'll move out a little bit more. And we continued to work through the diligence and have these conversations with the investors. And that stop date came up again and we said, oh, but we're really, really close this time. So we moved it out a little bit more. Right, and if I keep telling this story, I'm gonna fall off the edge of the stage. Because the story here is, that there was nothing that, that made that investor feel like she needed to move any faster. And there was everything on our side to lose by continuing to push out uh, our cost, our effort on a project. And it ended up to be, a, a, you know, created quite a, a challenge for us as a company. So you need to understand in your organization, and I say this at the early part of your negotiations, you need to come together as a team and say, all right, what, what are, what's our go-no-go? What are the things that if we move past, we will have difficulty or it may be impossible for us to recover from? That needs to be our true stop point. And whether you choose to communicate that with your, your elephant partner or not, it, it's more important that it's internalized. That you understand, we can only dance so far, so long, and then we have to stop. It becomes a risk for us to move further. And then don't change your mind. But listen, there are a lot of great relationships with elephants. They uh, can come in and be great partners with startups. They can learn so much from the innovation and the attitude and the cultures of your organization. And frankly, you can learn a lot about them too. All that messiness and invention stuff, it's gonna have to scale eventually. Right? It, you're going to have to find that discipline. And a, an elephant can be a great partner to help you do that. And by the same token, you can help them. Right? I would love to see those two triangles start to come together. And, and a lot of the things that Michael was talking about this morning, where we learn from each other how to integrate better so that the best of those two messy invention, discipline, process worlds come together to create a lot more value. Because I do think that's where value gets created in the innovation market today. That wraps up another episode of Inside Outside Innovation. Thanks for listening. To hear more talks like Chris Shipley's, register for your ticket today for the IO Innovation Summit, May 29th through the 31st here in Lincoln, Nebraska. While you're at it, give us a shout at the IO Podcast on Twitter or leave us a review on iTunes. Until next time, go out and innovate.